Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Let's go bef- before I start getting more distracted. Yep, yep, yep. This is Scott Toy Guru Nightlick, and you're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. You're listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Unleash the geek in you. This is GeekCast Radio episode 311. That's right, folks. 311. Wouldn't you believe, or you wouldn't believe, or Amber, or or Creature. We are definitely creatures for a while around here at the GeekCast Radio Network. I'm, of course, TFG and Mike, and joining me for the first time here on the flagship show is Josh the Floorburger. Hello, sir. Hello. I know this is a loaded question as of the, the time of this recording, but how are you? I, it's just part of my <laughs> intro. I ask every, it doesn't, uh, yeah, go ahead. I, I legitimately can't deny that I don't have a good answer for that question. You're either going to get brutal honesty or you are going to get a complete lie. So we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, it is Christmas time, everyone. We here at the GCR and hope everyone is having a merry and bright holidays of a season. Today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this, during December of 2022, we're going through Josh's Christmas past. That's right, folks. We are winding the clock all the way back to 1990 because Josh either found or uploaded or did something with an old, 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 old Christmas video that he has. So... Where do you want to begin with the history of this? Is there anything you want to say? What like what do you how do how do you want to introduce yourself to this side of our audience? So, I'm obviously on the Toycast side of things. I uh, you know, hi, I'm Florberger. Maybe you've seen my podcast. Maybe you've listened to them. So, I I have a very deep collection of a lot of the toys I've had since I was a little kid. And part of my mission as a collector between getting the modern goodies that exist out there has been reclaiming or replacing or completing a lot of the stuff I had from when I was a kid. And a lot of that was Ninja Turtles being born in 84. I was there right at the peak of Ninja Turtles at the perfect age to enjoy them and experience them way back when, especially the original Playmates line. So this video, as far as I know, 
like you said, was from 1990. And my brother had uploaded it digitally a couple years ago, looking at the date of upload, if I can even see that. It's, it's from several years ago. It's very low quality. It struggles in a couple different points where the the video slows down, but the audio continues. So it, it kind of has a kind of a cool little effect there. But unfortunately, it's it's hard to really make out a lot of the stuff in the video, but it's one of the only family Christmases I can think of where my grandmother was there, not because she passed, she passed away 10 years after this, but she stopped coming for Christmas Eve, Christmas night. I I don't really remember what the setup was, but it was, I think our first official Christmas in the house. It was either our first or second official Christmas in the house. So if you actually see the video, you'll see it's like a log house. The interior is a log house. And it was my mom's dream house. She designed it. She uh, went to the library, learned how to do architecture. She did all the research. My mom took a large hand in drawing the blueprints for this house, basically. Very cool. So it's pretty impressive. It was a piece of property I think we had bought maybe as a family. I'm saying we, I obviously had no say in it. Had bought a couple years earlier and developed the property. And it was very very nice rural property in an area that was not fully developed. You could actually drive around and still see goats next door. You know, it, they're towards the end of the video. And I think you said you saw it. You can actually see the uh, goat farm that was right next to our house that we grew up, you know, trying to not get attacked by goats and even eventually showing goats. But I digress. So this was actually a really cool Christmas. This is one of the few Christmases that I remember because there's a video that exists, but it was an awesome Christmas. We were a very fortunate family in that toys were a really big part of our gifts, typically. But also we were fortunate enough that my family could give several toys. I I, I know that varies from family to family, so I don't ever want to sound insensitive. And I know that we're maybe an exception rather than a rule. Uh, in terms of the amount of gifts that we got. But, you know, growing up, that's what you, if that's what you get, that's what you think everybody has. So. Well, I'll, and I'll, the I'll, thing for us in the 80s with toys is that we were kids. You know, our parents, as long as we were good 11 months out of the 12 months out of the year or whatever, or even all 12 months, as long, you know, we would get, like, you know, my mom used to ask me, like, in July, seriously, in July, Christmas grows there. Uh, you know, she would say, okay, start getting your wish list ready for whatever. And as long as I was good, you know, I would get whatever most of the time. And whenever I didn't get, and I'm not trying to, this is your episode. I'm, not, I'm just trying to have a conversation yeah. here. I'm not trying to no, you know, you're, take you're it good. over. You're, but like, you're, you're good, you but know, you do what Christmas, you you're good. Uh, if I, whatever I didn't get for Christmas, I knew two months down the line in February for my birthday, I would get whatever it was that was left over that didn't come, you know, at Christmas. And the thing is in the eighties money was plentiful. I mean, not for everybody, but I mean, our families, man, they were between as and you, you can correct me on your family. Cause I don't know, but my family, it wasn't until I think 90 or 91 where they wanted to institute the whole thing of the gift hat where you throw all the names of the family in the hat 
And whoever picks out that person's name, that's the one gift you buy. Before then, it was a free-for-all. You were getting gifts from everybody, no matter what it was and blah, blah, blah. And even though my mom was buying all the gifts that would go out to the rest of the family members, it's like, oh, this is from Mike or this is from whatever. This is from – and it would be like from my cousins or my aunts or my uncles or whatever. So, like, the 80s is – and I don't know if it's still that way today. I have no idea. But it it was a, it was a magical freaking time. And I'm sure there were plenty of families that struggled – you know, our family struggled every now and then, but for the most part, Christmas was the time where it was like, okay, everything except the kitchen sink. I, I, I think a, a big part of Christmas gifts, especially in the eighties and early nineties, toys were a lot more of a common gift than they are now. Obviously the toy aisles have shrunk. The amount of available toy stores have pretty much disappeared outside of secondhand toy shops and those toy shops that sell the more educational and less, I would say like licensed toys that you see in little boutique towns, like your, your Lake Geneva's or whatever. Yeah. You, you don't really see those anymore where back then we had Toys R Us, we had KB toys. We had, I remember we did a, a, an episode of Toycast where we all talked about a place called like Kid City or whatever. There were there were just more options, yeah. And I think it, it was a little bit more affordable, and there was a wider variety. And buying toys was relatively easier than it is now. Yeah. But I'm also speaking from a non-parent perspective. I still know parents today who are like, I'm looking for the unicorn princess from Frozen, and I I can't find her, and blah blah blah. I I know it changes. Yeah. But to speak to your mom asking you in July what you would want for Christmas is I also think back then there was a little bit of a strategy to watching for sales because sometimes there are really good sales throughout the entire year. You would, when stores were pushing out clearance or they were liquidating stuff, it was useful. And I know that my family, if I remember correctly, and unfortunately, so I, let me throw this out there. Let me go to a side tangent, then I'll come back to this. So just to sort of fill in some context, uh, a little over a month ago, my mom passed away suddenly. And so part of this is meant to be a little cathartic for me to talk about uh, this Christmas. And this is a, a memorable Christmas for me, but also that, you know, there's a lot of these questions I could have asked her. And unfortunately you and I just never got a chance to, to podcast with her. And I think we had talked about it a couple times yeah, we when we weren't, we, when we weren't recording and that it was a goal of mine to be able to interview her and to sit down and just have a ton of questions for her one time when we visited. And I, I only really got to visit with her in, in the calendar year of 2022 only twice. And unfortunately we just didn't have, or maybe we did and I just didn't think about it. We just didn't have time to sit down and for me to ask her a lot of questions about her life, raising three boys, a lot of the questions that, unfortunately, I have to go on dealing with never getting answered, getting a little emotional. Um, yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss, dude. And I yeah. know what you're going through because I lost my mom seven years ago. Yeah. And they're just, <laughs> you want to talk about something that was never answered until... 2019, actually, I've always known that I was born disabled. I've always known that I've had cerebral palsy. 
Well, key term in that disability's name is cerebral. It's brain. I was essentially born with brain damage, and I had to go through brain surgery in 2019 to remove excess fluid off of my brain. And I've mentioned this before on this podcast and on other shows. My brain was, the doctor said, if you don't come in and have surgery on Monday, you'll be dead by Wednesday. He said, my brain was two and a half inches away from popping out of my skull because of the excess spinal fluid that built up on my brain over the last, from 2019, let's say the last 15, 16 years before that. So we go in, we have the MRIs, we have the CAT scans, we have all these other things and everything else. Turns out, I was never boy. It never formed when I was in inside my mom when I was you know cooking in the oven and all that good stuff. It never formed. I do not have what they call it's the corpus column. This is the thing in the back of your head that divides the left and the right brain hemispheres into two small jacuzzis to take all the fluid and it's basically like ventricles in your heart and things like that and all that. So instead of having two mini jacuzzis, I have one giant Lake Michigan in my head. So I never had this thing. So basically I was born. So my mom had passed away in 2015. Four years later, I'm going in for brain surgery and I have all these damn questions that I cannot get answered because even if she did have answers, she couldn't tell me because she's not here anymore. So I know basically I'm saying all of this is to give you a chance to, you know, yeah. what, you know, to, to let you know that I, I know it's raw right now. And I know maybe people listening will say, well, why the hell are you having him podcast if it's so raw? Like he said a moment ago. I'm hoping this will be cathartic for him. I'm hoping this will be therapeutic for him. I'm hoping this will help him look back on the time, a specific time in his life with his family, with his mom, that was really, really good. Yeah, and and, and, I, and I appreciate that. And it, to an extent, that's what it's going to be. And obviously, some of the questions I have aren't of a medical level of urgency like you have. I'm I'm sorry you have to go through that, but yeah, no, but some of it on my end is more questions that they're not going to have a a crucial or urgent need in my day-to-day life, but it's questions about me, my family, and I I teach history and, and part of, I'm not the greatest history teacher in the world by, by a long stretch. Holy cow. I can totally say that, but part of looking at history is asking a lot of questions to really understand how you got to where you are. But maybe it's my own, just the way my brain works. I, I always have a lot of questions about things and where they came from. So I, I did want to ask my mom, what was her strategy to shopping for us? Because as we go through this podcast from this video, there, I, I can't even list everything that we got for Christmas that year. Part of that is because I can't see it in the video or uh, or it's obscured, or there's just nothing to identify it by. But also another challenge with it is not everything is visible in the video. Not that it's blurred, but it just the camera never caught it. But I know we got it that year. So there's there's a couple of Ninja Turtle toys that you can't you, you never see in this video. But I know that we got them that year. Yeah. So, but I, I always wanted to ask her in terms of because I'm a collector and because I still have a lot of the toys that she had gotten me as gifts or just, just throughout time, I always wanted to ask her 
what was your strategy? How did you do this? How did you shop for us? How did you know? Because I don't remember. I know I made lists. I know I made Christmas lists and birthday lists and all that. But I don't. I I don't know how she went out and did it. I I I have tiny little pieces, but. I don't have anybody else to ask about that. So again, it might just be one of those questions I have to just say, okay, it's it's not as urgent as maybe say like brain surgery, but it might be just a, uh, one of those mysteries that I have to let go unsolved. Like, where did she hide her Christmas presents in the house? That is one thing I have not figured out yet. Where did she hide them, and how did you know? How did they get out under the tree without us ever knowing? Because we stayed up late, and there is a small section in this video where my dad. Uh, who's who's recording us is asking us about hey did you see Santa or whatever and I know that my brother and I did stay up pretty late a couple times trying to see Santa and we we actually make up a story that we saw someone walking on the roof so uh, the, obviously there are like I said there's there's some funny funny moments in this video but uh, let's go ahead and jump into the the first chunk that you wanted to talk about so that you can see in the video. Yes. I'm putting these here at the beginning because they're more novelty things. They're not action figures. They're the snuggle buddies, Christmas Santa and Mussel toe. Oh, so what can, <sighs> what can I tell you about these? Did you put them out every year after this? <laughs> so I can explain quite a bit about these if you would like. Okay. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. So well, let's start with the Musotol. Um My mom, I do remember, did appreciate reindeer and, and, and moose, mooses, moosei. And... I don't remember when she got these. I want to say they're probably from 1986. So I was maybe two or three when we had them in the house. And I actually have a picture or two of me, very, very little tiny me with these. And they were just sort of your your standard Christmas plush. And if you look up Musotol on eBay, if you look up that term on eBay and you look at all the different varieties that pop up, there's not only the ones that, I see in the video, which is just the standard moose with a scarf and a, and a hat, but there's a couple other variations, including a female variation. And my brothers and I, I know as a fact, loved these because they're really easy to wrestle with. They're kind of floppy. They actually do have a little bit of weight to them. They, they're a lot of fun and they're, they're, they're hefty. And when we were smaller, they were pretty close to us in size. And there is something about the antlers. They're kind of a corduroy material. So it was, as far as a tactile experience with a plush toy, I know that sounds weird to say, it's, it's kind of unique. And kids are very much about tactile textures. So the, the fur on the moose is very velvety and soft. And then you, then you get the soft corduroy of the antlers. And it, so those have always been put out every year, every Christmas since whenever they were first purchased. I... I got them for my mom when she recently moved uh, a couple of years ago. And so I've put out at least one of them there. They do take up a lot of space. I've put out at least one of them at some point somewhere they, they've come out and hung out. 
so they're still they're still hanging out with us now. So they're wow, 1986. We're we're looking at uh, we're we're getting close to shy of 40 years here with those things. And yeah, we're pretty much at 40. I mean, we're not at 40 years, but it's close enough. Yeah, it might it might as well be. So, and, and the other thing, especially with the Santa, if you think about it, because they only came out in December and then they got put away in January, they've only really been out a couple just really very let me rephrase this they've all their their actual time of exposure to being played with and being out and exposed to the world is actually a lot less than your standard stuffed animal because they only came out of christmas if you add up the month and a half that they probably were out that's 40 months whatever you know we're, we're talking about less than four years where some stuffed animals get beaten up over the entire span of a year yeah and so they're still in very good shape. One went missing because my mom would often buy these things in, in triplicate. One went missing. I was able to replace it off eBay because they're still very cheap despite being almost 40 years old. And it was brand new. It looked like it came right out of the bag. Well, the mistletoe is very cheap. It's about 30 bucks. That's Santa, though. Like the listing you sent me was like $71. And I'm like, there ain't no way in hell. I don't care what kind of memories I have attached to that damn thing. And I still have all three of those. Again, my mom yeah. bought things in triplicate. Those were just a ton of fun. They're comfortable. You could hold on to them and, and use them as a pillow while you're watching a Christmas movie. And, and they just work. They're just very kitschy. They're very iconic. And I think because they're Santa, the shape works. There's some other really creepy versions of that. If you do look up pillow people, Santa, like there's, there's some less desirable looking ones, but the, it it was as much as a Christmas toy as they were a decoration, and that's what they're still used to use for to this very day. Yeah, absolutely. So, at first, I thought that the uh, the mistletoe. I'm like, Alf, is that Alf? You're like, nope. I'm like, oh, damn it. <laughs> no, and you can catch them in the video a little bit here and there. I need to actually mute the video while we're talking. <laughs> But you can catch them in the video here and there on the couch. And mm -hmm. I found recently a photograph probably from 19, either 99 or 2000, so almost 10 years after this video. And they're still hanging out on the couch in almost the same exact spot. So we, cool. we, kept them, we kept them around for a long time. Very they're still cool, kicking. Very cool. That is awesome. All right, folks, we're going to get into the action figure segment for this episode of Christmas 2022 with Josh the Floorburger. And up next is Those Heroes in a Half Shell. Kawabunga. <laughs> I, I feel yeah. like you were leaving me an opening and I totally just botched it. But yes, so we're talking about the Ninja Turtle section on this. And this was for me sort of the peak of Ninja Turtle fandom. I was old enough. We had gotten our first Ninja Turtles before we moved to this house. Mm -hmm. We got the four original ones. I can't remember which other ones we had originally, but we loved Ninja Turtles. That was a major aspect of our, um, basically our brotherhood. I, I, I think the fact that it was a team and we all could associate with different turtles in our own ways as brothers. Right. I, I know that typically my brother John would get the Leonardo's because he was the oldest and kind of the leader. So that was his sort of given role. 
Mm-hmm. Surprise to you, I was typically Michelangelo. No, that's not a surprise. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think I think Donatello and Raphael, if I remember correctly, usually kind of swapped between my brother Jer and I. And okay. so there is something on about a wrapped up action figure, especially a vintage figure. Those old vintage Ninja Turtles, if you wrap it, there isn't that iconic shape to it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So it's got this sort of angle across the the top of it from the bubble to the back card, and it comes down. And in this video, you see that we actually have, that my mom put them back to back and wrapped them. And we could not have been any more excited to get an think my count and my memory of what we got is is pretty accurate you can't see it all in the video i know as a fact that i got the sewer surfer michelangelo mm-hmm. i also either got the undercover donatello or the space cadet raf i don't know which one i got it's hard to see in the video you can't really make it out mm-hmm. my brother jer got the donatello with storage shell in either the the Don or the Raph. And then my brother got the Leo, the Sewer Samurai. And if you got to have these toys as a kid, this was, I think, the first variation of the Turtles that came out that were not included with action features. So there was another version where they had that wind up, like, you know, Donatello could swim and Raphael would spin his arm or something. Well, the disguised these, turtles were like the, the the samurai and the sewer surfer and the the undercover and the whatever Raph was. Those were the features. Like the fact that Raph is a space cadet and he's in basically he's in a space suit. You don't see yeah. the only the only turtle part of him you see on him besides his shell is uh, his head. The rest of it is yeah. just a regular old Buzz Buzz. I was going to say Lightyear Buzz Aldrin spacesuit sort of thing. But the unique part about these is that to a point, they were not only a little bit believable in the outfits Mm -hmm. that they wore. So Mm -hmm. could I see the turtles going to space in the cartoon? Yeah, easily. And And and, they did. Yeah. And could I see Michelangelo want to dress up like a surfer at the time? Totally. (laughs) They, the Ninja Turtles had a long history of wearing trench coats and going out in public. So that fit really well with both the cartoon and the movie. Yep. And while Leo as a, as a samurai was a little bit of a stretch, it wouldn't be a stretch by the time the third movie came out. No. But it was they were all so very functional and believable. It, yeah. Later iterations of the Turtles, less so. Yeah. I, I'm looking at my wall. I only have eight carded Turtles on my wall. And five of those are the act- not the same figures, but I actually spent probably about four or five years trying to reclaim the five turtles we got this Christmas morning. Right. So it's one of my, my proudest pieces of my collection is the carded turtles we got. So I actually have the undercover Don, the sewer surfer, Michelangelo, the Donatello, the, the storage shell Donatello and the space cadet Raph. I, I, it took me years and it was a very fun search because that started with me getting the sewer surfer, Mike for $5 years ago. Now that's a 70, 80, $90 figure. But 
later iterations of the turtles would be so ridiculous that we never really got them. I, I the go ahead. Well, the thing of it is, is the later iterations passed these, past these disguised turtles and the and and the shell turtles, is that they went crazy. They went nuts after. 1990s, basically when the show ended in 96, th- those last few years before they went and did the 2003 stuff, Playmates went crazy. Like, this is the 90s. We have to be so 90s. And don't get me wrong. Sewer Surfer Mike is very, like, he's he's not neon, but he has neon colors and he has pink and purple. Not purple, but pink and orange and blah, 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 blah. And Raph the same, like, Honestly, the Donatello and the Leonardo are the two sane ones as far as the look of them. Like, Undercover Don, it's like, yeah, kids, see, we're going to go solve some crimes. Yeah. So I do do have to say something cool about the Undercover Don is that if you can get a look at his accessories, I'm going to – we actually Mm -hmm. have a a wonderful collection of links. Yes, I have. Yep. Let me pull that site up. If you look at his accessories – he had a functional briefcase. You could open up and put stuff into it, like the weird black piece of pizza that he came with, I, because all the accessories were always unpainted on these for whatever reason. Yeah. He had a mask that yep. is ridiculous, but it worked and it stayed in place, which yep. is incredible. <laughs> and I think if I'm looking a little closer, there were a couple of stickers in there that you could apply to the inside of the briefcase. And it, it, it's just... The, the toys were really, really well thought out. Michelangelo has a surfboard he can stand on. Raphael has... He has a spacesuit. I'm sorry. It's just... A, it's a cool figure. Yeah. Most people lose his bubble, his uh, his helmet, his and helmet, his suit. Yeah. But I know as a kid, that Raphael also was my underwater Raphael. Because I obviously there are scientific differences between a, a scuba suit or a deep sea suit and an astronaut suit. But hey, as a kid with an imagination, it's a million different things. So those were some really, really cool figures. But I do have to point out, on top of those, there's a very clear moment, and I'll I'll have to send you the picture. There's a very clear moment where I unwrap the, probably one of the greatest vehicles that I don't think was in the cartoon, but one of the greatest vehicles that was made early on this line, and that was the turtle copter. (laughs) this thing folks is whack and i say that in a good way because i forgot about this because by the time these were coming out i was out of turtles like i had moved on to batman the animated series and x-men and like i moved into superhero territory not saying the turtles are not superheroes but the gooey green gunship i do not remember this thing at all (laughs) <laughs> so this this very hold on, I'm downloading the picture I was telling you about mm-hmm. this copter chopper yep. whatever you want to call it the only complaint I had about it and I'm going to start with my critique and then I'll move into my, my little mini review mm-hmm. is that the propeller blade didn't have a mechanism to make it spin right if it had that, it would probably be an amazing vehicle. But if you look back at some of the early turtle vehicles, unless you got the bad guy vehicles, which we I don't think we ever did, 
there wasn't a lot to them. The tur- the original turtle van, I know it's iconic. As far as a toy goes, it's not great. It's not very detailed. It's not the most fun item outside of, hey, we're just going to jam a bunch of our uh, turtles into this and roll it down. It doesn't even have a steering wheel, no seat belts. Like The biggest feature has a legit rubber band that just flips one of the doors out and hits somebody. There's really not a whole lot to it. I'm not trying to bash it. It's just a simple, well-made toy that was pushed out. But the turtle copter has so many features. Yeah, it does. And the link I have doesn't even begin to describe those. (laughs) But it's got trash can bombs that you can fill with ooze that you can drop. It's got a handle on it that you can use. And some people make sometimes make fun of handles being built into toys so you can fly them around. But as a kid, if you can make a flying vehicle more functional because it has a handle, I just think it's more fun because you don't see your hand covering the vehicle as you're flying it around. So yeah, I mean, cause really seriously looking at this, at this turtle copter, like if there, the handle wasn't there, you would have to hold it from the bottom or you would have to basically fist the, the tail section of it or something. You would have to find a way somehow to hold this thing up and fly it around the room. But since it has a handle on it, it's like, oh, this is cool. This yeah, every vehicle that is every I'll, I'll I'll rephrase this. Every flying vehicle deserved to have a handle, so we could you know have a place to show that we were actually quote unquote flying the vehicle. Yeah, and with this, with the handle, it also had a squeezable trigger that would make the rails of the helicopter, which were punching bags basically go back and forth like uh, one of those Rock'em Sock'em robots and you could literally punch things with it and it was so cool but Playmates was also smart enough to put wheels on the bottom of the helicopter so in the, the Christmas video you can actually see me sliding it around like it's really cool on the ground but there's so many details put into this there were so many different attachments that look like little bugs or you can't, I, I can't really determine exactly what the attachments are, these little blue things that are hanging off the side but you yeah. could fit, you could comfortably fit two turtles into this in a functional manner. They're not just like laying in there. They're holding one of the guns or they're piloting. And it's just, it's filled with features. It's filled with really cool pieces. And the fact, I, I don't know if it ever made it into the cartoon because even though I was a huge turtle fan, I didn't get to watch the cartoon a lot. I don't know turtle if it did. I don't hunter. think it did. I don't. Okay. So. As of this recording, I am still on disc six of the original animated series, which is like somewhere in season three. So I don't know. Because uh, when, you, when you first showed this to me, I was like, oh, the front of it kind of looks like the a little bit, even though it's a helicopter at first glance. I was like, oh. That's the broken that that that's the bottom part of the turtle blimp. And then I look at it again. I'm like, oh no, that's the turtle copter. Okay, got it, got it, got it. I honestly don't remember if they did. And eventually, once I get back to watching the series, I'll, I'll let you know. I don't. I I'm going to lean towards it not ever making it in the cartoon. The turtle blimp did, and I, you know, I totally it did, understand yeah. why. Yeah, and it was honestly a more iconic. Uh, vehicle in just so many ways. It was unique. It was cool. It made it into cartoons. It was a toy. It was fun. But this, for my money, was better than the Turtle Blimp. This was really my iconic toy. Now, 
I'm going to jump ahead really quick and then we'll jump back to the turtles. Cause I think we have one more thing to talk about, but that year, I think we, each of the brothers got one larger size toy that was unique to us that either we chose or something. I, I don't know if we chose it. I, I really don't remember. I, I, I do remember at least one Christmas where my dad took us up to an outlet mall mm-hmm. in Kenosha, just north of the border here and took us to a toy liquidator and said, you guys get to pick one larger than usual toy to get. And I feel like it might've been this year and it might've been this. I, I, I'm not sure there was a year. Yeah. See, this is, this is where I, where I wish I had uh, my mom to talk to you about this because these are the things that get a little lost in time. And I don't think my dad remembers, Mm. but he wasn't as involved in, in the gifts as my mom was. But the other vehicle to talk about was the turtle cycle. And this, I think, was the 1989 toy. And you don't see it. I, th- I think there's one quick blip in the video where you can see that maybe I'm opening it. And I'm not 100% sure we got it then. But it is visible later in the video when my brothers and I are all playing with our Christmas morning loot. Which was, I don't know about you, one of the most fun things about Christmas growing up was the couple of hours before, you know, we either went by a, a family member's house or families came by our house. Yep. But those couple of hours where we just got to go play with all of our new loot was probably the best playtime ever. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, because I come from a family where I'm an only child, <laughs> I essentially am playing by myself. I was not going to say it the other way around, but <laughs> it's just one of those things where, yeah, we're you're keep, right. We're going to keep this PG. Well, I mean, the show is yeah. always explicit, but it is what it is. It's one of those things where, yeah, you're right. You know, we would spend anywhere, my mom and I, and at the time her boyfriend, uh, you know, we would spend from like breakfast time to noon time opening stuff. And then from like noon to two, I would be playing with the toys and usually f- Anywhere from one to two to three, we would eat, like you said, go to a family member's house or go to this or go to that. And usually I was allowed to bring one toy with us. Like my favorite one that I got from that, whatever that Christmas was out of all the toys that I'd gotten. So, yeah, I mean, I have some, some of my favorite memories growing up, especially for Christmas were that, in between time of playing with toys. Like I remember this one matchbox car wash that I think every kid at one point had. If, if you, Oh yeah. And it it had like the spin dry. And I remember my brothers and I wanting to really see, does this really work as a car wash? So we put either hand soap or dish soap into the water (laughs) reservoir. That was fun. And I, no bueno. And I think we played with it on top of a bed versus a floor. Oh, no. Yeah. But but there was something very cool about that. One of the things about our house growing up that I have a very vivid memory of. Now, is it accurate? I don't know. It's just from childhood. And I have this image that I've refreshed millions of times in my head. But our house was... Uh, okay. So it was a north... Like the front of the house was north-facing. And we had a lot of skylights and we had a lot of windows in the house. And as the day progressed, the north facing bedrooms 
and the the rest of the house was always lit up really, really well throughout the day, just because of the way the house was designed, the skylights and everything. Yep. And I just, I just remember being in a room playing with that matchbox car wash and the whole room. I just, I have this vision in my head of it just being lit up like sunlight golden. Just, it's a very like idyllic memory of making a mess on a bed, but it, you know, I, I think that's one of those those pieces of growing up and, and being a, a kid on Christmas is that it's not just like how much stuff you can get. It's the memories that you get from it. And how do you how do you create that? And part of the video later on, you can clearly see my brothers and I on the floor racing around with the turtle cycle, which was a very simple motorcycle with a sidecar that the sidecar was made out of. A, it looks like it was made out of a trash can, which just speaks to some of the really clever and creative design work of Playmates back in the day. Yeah. And we, I think, as brothers, really loved a lot of vehicles that you could fit multiple characters on. The, the turtle copter I had mentioned before, you could fit up to five onto it easily. Mm-hmm. The turtle cycle, you could fit two. So there was always joint play in that. And that's very important. If you have siblings or friends who are coming over to play is that you have the ability to have these team ups and do things. Yep. So the, the turtle cycle is a really fun vehicle and motorcycles are great toys, but they're better if they don't fall over when you're not holding them. And the fact that this had a sidecar made from a trash can that would keep it standing, made it even better. And I do have one. I, I have all, I have a, big box of turtle stuff that needs to go out and be displayed eventually. But this is one of my favorite vehicles, even though there's really cool ones and better ones that came out later. This is still one of the best ones. And you can clearly see that while my mom is stressing out over, you know, there's so much context to this video that I'll never know, but yeah, there's, you can clearly see my mom is, trying to get food and everything ready for later in the day, starting to get the turkey cooked, doing all, all of the, the nitty gritty work. And my dad's walking around with the video camera, which I appreciate the video now as an adult, but knowing yeah. that mom is probably sitting there like, help me do something. Stop video recording me, go away or, you know, either, either go away or help me so we can get this done. And, uh, you know, but we're, we're on the floor and we're playing and it's, it's just very, it's a very iconic, it, it's, it, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the artist, but it was the guy who would always do like the Christmas scenes on postcards and paintings. It's going to take me a little bit to come up with it and it's embarrassing now, but anyways, well, it's not Bob Ross, but yeah, no, it, it, there, it, it's a well-known American artist who would do a lot of, right. Yeah. It, it'll come back to me, but yeah. so this was a very turtle Christmas, hundred percent clear. It was a very turtle Christmas. So let's move on to the next section before we really, you know, start to bore the shell out of everybody. I swear playmates, you got to be careful when you're doing trash cans as sidecars because Oscar the Grouch is going to come after you. Hey, maybe, maybe he was the innovator in that. Maybe he went on Shark Tank and sold that to the Turtles. <laughs> yeah, thankfully, Shark Tank was not something that was around back in the 80s. All right. Moving into the G.I. Joe territory, we have a helicopter and a tank. So this was an interesting addition to the overall ski, uh, theme of the day. 
And this is why I think this is one of the Christmases. There might have been more than one where we went to one of the toy liquidator stores because the Mamba was from 87 and the Equalizer was from 89. So that's why I think these are liquidator toys. Right. So I think we went to the outlet store and there was a toy liquidator there. And it was the only major mall near us when we lived in, uh, it was a town called Long Grove in 1990. So we would go up to Kenosha, which if you are familiar at all with that geography, Kenosha is one of the first major towns just north of the Wisconsin border, if you head north of Chicago. Yep. And for years, there was an outlet mall there. Side funny story. Throughout college, I don't think I went north of the border more than once throughout college. So from 2002 to 2006, I think I went to Milwaukee once. And that was in 2002 or 2003. I want to say it was probably 2002. Mm. So for four years, I don't go north of the border. Right. 2006 to 2008, I don't really go north of the border anyways because I was still driving down to school and hanging out with friends who still live down there. Um, and my wife, who I was then dating, I, I said, we really got to go up and check out the outlet mall in Kenosha. And she's like, there's no outlet mall in Kenosha. I'm like, no, there, there is. I, I, I've been there. I love it. We need to go. She's like, no, it's not there. <laughs> and she went to school really close to where this outlet mall was. It was right off the interstate 94, right, right right past it, it, if if you've ever been through Kenosha it's right over by the it was right over by the Brat stop and all these other things out there and I'm like no I swear it was still out there cuz I hadn't really been up there in a long time but the sign for the outlet mall had been there for a while right. and I just thought because I had only driven up there two three times in about 8 years that I swore that it was just further back from the interstate and you just couldn't see it it was behind these car dealerships and she's like, no, it's gone. I swear. I'm like, no, no, no. I've seen the signs. So we, she humors me. We drive up there. And lo and behold, she's right. It is gone. They gone. Have knocked that whole thing down. And my family went up there a lot in the early 90s. We went right. up there all the time when like hypercolor shirts. Do you remember those? Yep. When those were huge, there was a hypercolor outlet store that we got our hypercolor shirts from. And we got all these toys from up there. And my mom, I think, I want to say it was maybe 95, 96, or 97. Um, she knew I was kind of having some struggles here and there in life. And uh, from like 96 through like 98, maybe 99, um, every so often she would just take me out on an adventure. And I don't remember all of them. I remember some of them. But she'd just be like, let's get in the car and let's go. Yep. And I do remember one of the trips was out to the outlet mall. And, um, I, it might've been even earlier than that. I'd have to look and see if I can find any information, but, um, I know one of those trips and this is unrelated to the current podcast, but you know, I'm throwing memories out there about my mom. Uh, so there was a cartoon, short lived cartoon and toy line called bots master. And again, this was not anything about this Christmas morning, this video we're talking about. Yep. No, it's okay. Keep going. But the, I actually have a soft spot for this sh- for this show and this toy line because it's really not a bad toy line and it has some really unique things for the time. But there was a gift pack called Jungle Fiver, which on the show was basically a transformer combiner. 
you're totally ripped off transformer combiners blatant blatant ripoff literally five vehicles transformed into individual robots and then they came together to form one giant robot and I, there there are some toys that I've had since I was a kid and that I still display some I don't display and I just I just preserve them in a box but this jungle fiber I know came out of one of those trips she took me on as just like she and I going out together on one of these adventures and it's missing all of its accessories like all the little it has tons of little missiles that can launch off, off of it it's missing all that but I still have the five robots together and it's up, it's on my shelf behind me but you know, these are things that are just coming back to, to memory as we're talking. Very cool. But to jump back into it, the two uh, the two G.I. Joe vehicles, the Mamba and the Equalizer. If you want to talk about badass, super cool G.I. Joe vehicles to get on Christmas morning to enjoy, looking at the Equalizer, we'll start with the Equalizer because I'm just going to go alphabetically. Mm-hmm. Not that that really... Matters overall, but it's good. Yep. But the Equalizer was part of the Slaughter Marauder division, I guess, of GI Joe, and it fits one, two, three GI Joes, which again was cool because we we liked a lot of toys where you could fit multiple figures on. Yep. It had at least six different missile launchers, these giant guns. It was just a ton of fun, and it has armor plates that you could lift and move anything that had functional parts. If you look at the front of it, it's got two uh, functional, like, I don't know what you would call them, but you know, you would put your GI Joe down into the seat and then you put the hatch over him and they could peek out. And it was that type of stuff that was so unique to us and stuff that we enjoyed that. It wasn't just, Oh, you just put your figure into this, essentially a case, close the door and it doesn't do anything. It was, they were sitting in it. You could look in, and I could see my GI Joe peering back out at me. And this, my brother Jer got this one. Yeah, this Equalizer, this Slaughter Marauders tank. Um, and yeah, it was also available in 1990, discontinued 91, according to this website. So it is very possible it was still in stores. I feel like it may have been one of the liquidator uh, opportunities. But in the video, you can actually see us trying to put it together because back then. Even back then, you'd actually have to assemble most of the parts. Like if you if you look at the link, yeah, and you and you look under the images section, there's a bat, there's a photo of the bagged parts. Yep, you have to have some sort of mechanical engineering degree to put this thing together. It's so many separate pieces. It's crazy. But well, that was the thing about certain vehicles back then is that some assembly was required, and. That's actually something my brother John was so good at that because he was a little older than us, he grew up with He-Man and early G.I. Joe. That is a memory I will never lose is that when it came to a lot of these toys that needed assembly, he yep. just knew what to do. Yep. And that will take us, take us to a section in a little bit because the other vehicle that we got was the Cobra Mamba, which very cool looking video, uh, very cool looking helicopter. Yes. Probably physically impossible to ever make something like this that could ever fly. Yeah. But just so it, it was one of those vehicles and this was kind of popular in the late 90 or late 80s early 90s were vehicles that had sub vehicles that could pop off of it. 
Hasbro did it a lot with G.I. Joe. I think there was something called Metal Machines or something. There was a uh, like a almost a micro machine military line that had a lot of little tiny vehicles that would pop off of larger ones. Right. So this is a large purple helicopter put out by it's called the Cobra Mamba. And it had one large helicopter with these giant propeller blades, giant missiles, and a cockpit for one pilot. And it came with a pilot, and he's a really cool figure. And then it came with two smaller jets, essentially, that could be attached to the helicopter, but could pop off and you could do other things with them. It's just, it's so excessive in its design, but literally just an amazing Christmas present to get. If you think about really cool Christmas presents, something you're going to wait for just Christmas is this like, I would put this at the end of a video game as a boss vehicle that you would have to fight and, and, and defeat at some point back in the eighties and nineties on a NES game. And actually that they actually did that. Okay. I'm, it's funny that I'm saying that I'm scrolling down and it's featured in the Nintendo game, the GI Joe Nintendo game. You had to defeat the Mamba. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So these two vehicles would last us a while. My brothers and I played hard. We'd lose pieces. Pieces would break. And eventually it would start looking like Mad Max where you would have incomplete vehicles that were still racing into battle. And by the time my brothers were out of toys, but I still was, I was was taking in these like broken down vehicles over time and I'd have like the skeletons of so many different things uh, and still coming up in a headcanon for myself. Well, why does the Cobra Mamba lack so many pirates? Well, Cobra is losing money and they're fighting G.I. Joe too hard. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just try to be creative with these broke down vehicles that I adopted, but, or inherited. But G.I. Joe was still a huge part of our lives at that time. We still loved G.I. Joe and I would continue to play with G.I. Joe for years beyond that. So let's move on to, I think we're, well, are we, are we done with the action figures? Uh, pretty much. We're done with the action yeah. figures. Now we're going to move on to the racetrack. So the last part of the action figure sort of thing is racetracks. So and when you first showed this to me, I'm like, is that micro machines? Cause I wanted to throw John, uh, John, uh, Oh God. Uh, what's his name? Crap. He was Blur in the trans John Machida Jr. I wanted to throw John Machida in here, but it's not Micro Machines. It's something else. Super Fast Machines Ultimate Challenge Racing System with Hyperspeed. So I know that when my brothers and I were kids, we were always interested in those racetracks and remote control cars. Yep. And... Some of those original racetracks had the limitation. They were the ones that had the little car that you not you kind of plugged in to the racetrack, and then you had this wired-in remote that you would hold down, and yep. it would go around. I, I don't remember what those were called, but I remember feeling that those were always limited because you could only play with those cars on that track, and if you lost parts of the track, which we did, yep. or if you or if they broke, you you have essentially a giant useless toy right yeah you you needed all those parts to work together in order for it to function and if you lost any of them didn't work so matchbox comes out with this set and i remember that we had parts of this set for a very long time i don't know how long we played with it but this was one of my first exposures actually to a stopwatch 
So this set comes with two cars to race, precision stopwatch, the ability to also customize the cars, and it comes with maintenance accessories. I haven't really done a ton of research on it yet, but you get grease to lubricate the parts. You get a fine-tuning brush to maximize performance. You get a fill so it, it really is more of not so much a racer, but it, it gives you a lot of these different skills built into the play. So you're building and customizing your racer, you're maintaining them, you're timing them. It, it takes it to a much higher level. And I think for my brother at the time, so 1990, he would have been 10. I think this was a good step up from him from just playing with like Hot Wheels or even the, the racers where you would just hold down the trigger and the racers would go along, around the track that they were attached to. Yep. So this did a lot more. My brother was very much into models, so model cars and putting them together. The cool part about this set was that the track you didn't need to have the track attached to any sort of wires or batteries like the old race track sets did so you needed batteries for the racers in this but they just went around this plastic track on their own independent you didn't need a remote control or anything and it was oh, wow. really really cool yeah. and I the only thing I remember about this is that eventually the cars just disappeared, but we had pieces of the track all over the place, so we could still like, like locate pieces of the track because they're stacked and we just never threw them out. And I do know as a fact one of the reasons why my mom never really threw out our toys unless they were visibly broken was right. that she said I gave them to you; they were not mine to throw out. Okay, and I I think that I that's something I really respect from my mom is that when she gave us something, it was, it was ours. It was something that, you know, was up to us what to do with, but this was a really cool racetrack that to see it, um, in the video and then to know that it is a very technical toy to play with. That might also be why it didn't last very long in the toy stores was because it might've been too much work for kids at the time, but it was perfect for my brother developmentally. Yeah, I think that, I don't know, we were, so how old is your brother? So he is 42. Oh, so he's the same age as me. Yeah, he so, was born in 1980. Yeah, 90, uh, 10, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this, I don't know, I was moving past, I was still into action figures and stuff, but my racetrack days kind of like stopped, began and ended with the Knight Rider kit versus car racetrack thing from whatever company it was from. But yeah, I mean, this, this does look cool. And the fact that you didn't need, you needed, like you said, you needed batteries, but you didn't need to have to have it plugged in or you didn't need to, have, like, it just went, it just did it. It was really cool. It was very cool. Very awesome. All right, folks, I think we are going to go to a quick ad break. You're going to hear some stuff and other things and probably a couple of old video game trailers because video games are up next after this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch -ch -chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No 
purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, welcome to the last Comic Shop Podcast. A comic book podcast that actually talks about comics. Yep. Each week we open the shop up and read and discuss a comic. Sometimes we pair that up with comic book movies or TV shows. Or not. Lots of times it's just comic books. And sound effects. Oh, yes. Definitely lots of sound effects. So tune in on all the major podcasting platforms to the Last Comic Shop Podcast. Or check out our library of evergreen shows at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Because the world needs another movie podcast. The GeekCast Radio Network presents for your listening pleasure, The Cinema Geek. Hosted by Amanda, Kevin, Matt, and Dan. Each week we dive headfirst in the landscape of movies as we discuss movie news, play movie games, go in-depth on reviews, and even have a top ten countdown or two. Also, don't miss our director retrospective series where we review noted director's movies film by film. Bottom line is, if you love movies and love podcasts, you need to experience The Cinema Geek. You can find us on iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, or GeekCastRadio.com. Like science fiction? Of course you do, or you wouldn't be listening to the GeekCast Radio Network. Well, the Marku 42 Universe podcast is an award-winning sci-fi radio show that's been around for over 10 years. We cover everything from Doctor Who to the MCU to pop culture and everything in between. A new show drops on Tuesday mornings on the GCRN website and all of the major podcast platforms. So listen to the Marku 42's Universe podcast from the universe and beyond. All right, folks, we are back here on GeekCast Radio, episode 311, as Josh goes through his 1990 Christmas memories. We're switching over to video games, more... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Specifically, handheld video games from Tiger Electronics. So, these... There's a fantastic angry video game nerd video about Tiger Electronics. And these were basically your, your, your simple... LCD, I think it was, or LED, or whatever it was. Yep. Video games that had 
the little animations, the pre-made animations yep. of very simple video games. They were so simplistic. They were handheld, and every license had a Tiger Electronics game at the time. If you look up Tiger Electronics, you can find almost anything from Afterburner, which is what my brother got, to Ninja Turtles. To everybody had one. And the one thing they all had in common is that they were terrible. <laughs> no, come on now. They weren't all te- I'm sure there were terrible ones, but they weren't all terrible. No, no, no. No, no, no. I, I, I appreciate you being... Uh, usually I'm the optimist in these situations, but <laughs> no, no, no. these are all terrible. And that's okay, because I loved them. They didn't make sense to me. They were awful. I was awful at them, but really, it was really, really easy of, hey, what's new and popular? Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, Simpsons. You get this little thing about the size of your hand, you throw it in a bag, you have it for a car ride, the noises are absolutely annoying, the sound effects are terrible, the the gameplay is rudimentary at best, and by today's standards, if I were to give these to kids today, they would look at it as if you said, here, play with these rocks and sticks. They're just now, Come on now. It's no, no, no. not that bad. My wife and I were just at a, a thrift store. Uh, and really, really nice thrift store. They really do a great job. They raise a lot of money for women's shelters and everything. And we went there because it's very Christmassy. They do a really good job making the whole store look Christmassy. And there was this grandmother and her grandson. And this kid is just crying out. Give me my game. I want my game. And he was playing on a phone or something and just so cranky about it. And I, I could just barely see what game he was playing as he cried past me. And it was something so much more sophisticated than the most sophisticated. Blah, blah, blah. Nailed it. The most sophisticated game. That's what I was trying to say. And I got tongue tied. The most sophisticated game I had as a child. This kid had something that was probably 50 times better. Yeah. So if I gave this kid this Tiger Electronics game and said, sit down and be quiet, he might as well have held the dialogue between his shoelaces. And these LED, the LED LCD, whatever they're called, these they're, they're Tiger, LCD. Yeah. Yeah. It's so simplistic, but my brothers and I each got one for Christmas and we were so excited because Absolutely. the fact that they were licensed, that oh. was the best part about them. If it was just airplane game wouldn't have cared but that it was afterburner which was a popular nintendo game at the time and popular Sega, arcade game yeah it was on nintendo too i think well according to the too. image you have here it says sega 1987 for the copyright so i i say nintendo game as though it you yes, know yes. it was a video game you know it could have been made by sega and put on nintendo i don't know yep, 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 yep. it was it was a weird world at the time but there was the fact that it was a simpsons Mm-hmm. licensed game and if you actually look at that handheld piece it they actually called it a tabletop game versus a handheld and it was just slightly bigger than your standard tiger game but i think the screen was a little smaller but the sound effects were better and i might still have this somewhere this thing is durable as all get out i would probably say make airplanes out of this simpsons tiger electronics game Oh, LCD, not LED. Okay, I can see that on it. Yep. This game is so durable, it has probably been kicked, dropped, 
thrown, stored in boxes, knocked over a million times. This thing, the whatever battery was in it, lasted until who knows when. Mm-hmm. And I also got a pro wrestling game, and I'm pretty sure it's the year I got this pro wrestling game. And, and it, it's so bad, it's barely worth mentioning, but I loved it because... At the time, it was the only wrestling game I owned. In 1990, I had no other wrestling games in my possession. And this was it. So I loved it. And I loved the designs of all the characters. But the coolest part about these games... Did you have any as a kid? Oh, yeah. So I had the three I had, the three I remember. So it was... Game Boy came out in, what, 90 or 91? I didn't get a Nintendo Game Boy until my 13th birthday in 1993. Okay? So I would always play with my aunt's Nintendo Game Boy, but for my own video games, I had the Tiger Electronics. I had the original Play Playboy. Wow. Ooh. The original... Ooh. <laughs> Easy there, buddy. <laughs> the original Paperboy game, not Paperboy 2, the original Paperboy game, I had Jordan versus Bird because I was born and raised in Massachusetts and Larry Bird is far superior and Go Celtics and all that stuff. And the other one I remember having, and the reason why I remember having it is because I was bad at one point or another. My dad took it away from me and it made me so mad. I had the Konami, it's the it's the more tabletop version of it of the Turtles game. It's like a turtle green, and it's 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 kind of like your Simpsons game. It's not the standard square version of the Tiger Electronic. It's the Konami version of it, and I remember playing this. And these LCD games, folks, he is right. The LCDs on these are so, just suck, but. They were so cool because we essentially had video games in our pockets. For those of us who didn't have the Nintendo Entertainment System, or for those of us who were stupid enough to pick the Sega Master System for Christmas over the Nintendo Entertainment System, like me, Alex Kid in the Lost Stars, kiss my ass, you know. But, yeah, so, yeah, I remember having these, and I remember loving these. So... Uh, for me, I think one of the coolest parts, though, was that there was a button you could hit to like reset it, mm-hmm. and you could see every cell on yep. the game all at the same time. And that 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 was so cool and so unique for me because there were so many times I'd be playing these games, I was so bad at them, and they were so bad, I never got far enough to see some of the <laughs> the later characters that would show up in the game. So. I remember having some of these, uh, like an, I had the Mario watch and play or game and play or watching game. Yeah. Oh, sw- I'm looking at some other ones. I had Swamp Thing and uh, wow. And, and the cool thing was, it wasn't even the game. It was just they were really uniquely designed and licensed. Like the Swamp Thing game is just cool. Like I would put that up as a display piece because the artwork is really nice. Yep. The Ninja Turtle Tiger Electronics uh, games are actually based off the Archie comics. And those are just a cool display piece and just unique that it's not the key art from the original cartoon. Yeah. Yeah. The game, the, the LCD games as kids, yes, we played them, but they were never really. It was more of, at least for me in the circle that I ran in, it was more of. Look, what game do you have? What game do you have? Oh, I have the, I have turtles. I have this, and we all just kind of 
traded them all around each other, and we all played the games and whatever else. And that, that ACL button, oh, man. Heaven forbid any of us got a high score on any one of those games, and then somebody in the group had to be the jerk to hit the ACL button because they wanted to see all the things light up at once. Yeah, you know what like- the ACL button really is, though, folks, right? It's the all-clear button. Oh. Uh, yeah, so basically that ACL button isn't to show you every pixel of the game. It's to clear the score of the game so you can start over. It's basically a reset button. That's why they inputted it to the point where you had to use a pen to press the damn thing. Well, and you you sit there and you're playing these games with your friends and then there's Johnny over there with a goddamn paperclip or a pen who's sitting there like, oh, I want to show you something cool. And it's like, no, go away, go away. I've got the high score. But the, the games were fun enough to hold our attention and really quick and easy gifts. It's it's like, oh, Blanchard, you like Nickelback. I'm going to get you the Tiger Electronics Nickelback game. Because it was cheap, it was easy, it was really more marketed towards parents of it was kids. marketed toward the parents of the kids that weren't buying the Nintendos or that couldn't afford the Nintendos or the Segas or the whatevers at the time. It was a way well, for us they to... they could, it was just an easy supplemental supplemental mm-hmm. gift. You know, it was just... It was. Yeah. Oh, you, you like pro wrestling? Here, I saw this. It was $5 at KB Toys. It's a, it's a wrestling game. And I'm not complaining about getting that wrestling game. I remember, like I said, I didn't have any other wrestling games. Yeah. It was cool. It was, I guess you could call it kind of like when you go to Costco and you get the sample of the food they're serving. You're not getting the whole meal. You know what you're getting. You're getting a tiny little morsel in a very flimsy, non-practical serving cup or paper. And you say, okay, cool. I, I'll take this for what it is. It was practical at the time. And even though I will say like, oh, wow, those games are terrible by today's standards. When I was a kid, I loved those things. And I remember loving that wrestling game and that Simpsons game. I don't remember the the Afterburner game that my brother got a lot, but the Simpsons game, I think if I go dig for it, I think I can find it. And, like, that game was actually better than some of the Nintendo games that came out. Let's just be real. Well, the funny thing is, you're right, but I don't ever remember having the Simpsons game. What I remember for the Simpsons, and this will kind of transition us back to video, the traditional video games, is I remember when Bart's Nightmare came out for the Super Nintendo, oh. and I was like, oh, yeah, that was my Simpsons game at the time. That was so cool. Uh, we then, had Bart versus the Space Mutants, which is... Yep. That one was good, too. Yep. Does not make any sense. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> but let's face it, it's The Simpsons. It it really doesn't have to make sense, at least back then when they were basically raking in the Michael Jackson money, they didn't have to make sense for video games. But it, it, to this day, I still understand why they never ported the arcade game over to a console. At least in my, in my head, I, I don't think they ever have. Maybe they did. I have to do some research on that. I don't. Uh, know. Which sure. again, that game doesn't make any sense at all. Of the Simpsons characters basically being becoming street fighters and leading a crusade against Mr. Burns' forces, but it 
to, to kind of go back to the Tiger Electronics and just to close on that. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will criticize the games now, but like I said before, Christmas morning getting the wrestling game, the Simpsons game, it was exciting and it was memorable and it was fun. And I think that's one of those really fun aspects of being a kid back then is that very simple things could last you a lifetime in memories. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's right. Bart versus the Space Mutants was on the Game Gear. I remember that now. I remember it on the, on the NES too, but wow. Oh, Escape from Camp Deadly. One of the worst Game Boy games ever. Good Lord. Bart versus the world. And like I said, Bart's Nightmare was, was the first uh, Super Nintendo slash Sega Genesis game. So I'm looking at the Simpsons arcade game. Uh-huh. Uh, arcade only. And then yep. Commodore 64. Yep. Hit MS-DOS. Yeah. And then Xbox Live Arcade in 2012 and PlayStation Network in 2012. It never hit. Never Nintendo, hit. Super Nintendo, Nintendo Sega, Sega, anything yeah, like yeah. that. No. But I mean, at least now, if you have Xbox or if PSN is still around, you can do it on there. Or if you know anyone has an IBM PC, you know. Or you know if and, and, and kind of just to, to talk about this a little bit before we get to the console stuff is uh, like I'm looking at the the arcade version of the game and I'm like, oh, that kind of looks like the when they kind of re-miniaturized the Turtles in Time video game and put it in Walmart. Like that Turtles arcade game, there were mini cabinet versions of that in Walmart a few years ago. So I don't see why you couldn't do that today with this Simpsons arcade game, just sell a a smaller version of it. Well, my problem with those one-up games that I think you're talking about, Mm -hmm. and I just saw two of them at the thrift store we were at today, (laughs) my problem is, is that emulators the emulator that you would need or the rom you would need for that simpsons arcade game by today's standards in terms of processing space or storage space on a device is minimal like there i probably have pictures that are larger data size than the simpsons game and you're obviously paying for the hardware the hardware is not that expensive so every time i've seen that simpsons game um, if it was a hundred bucks i'd maybe be like Oh man, could I could I get this? Is this something I could set up? But even at a hundred bucks to get an arcade set up for one game, I I just I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it's I, not like if I was going to, and this was, and this is so silly, but I remember doing this at the movie theater because it was there at the time. I think it was right, yeah, it was right around when uh, uh, Phantom Menace came out in '99, or it might have been when uh, Attack of the Clones came out. In the in the movie theater that I used to go to, they had and I'm sure it was in other theaters too, but they had obviously arcade games there and whatever else, but they had the big like you had to go and sit. It was the big Star Wars enclosed cabinet where you would sit and you would play either A New Hope, Empire, or Jedi. But it was this big surround sound cabinet thing that you would have to yeah. sit in. And oh my god! Like between that and Crazy Taxi, th- those would probably be the two arcade things I would want in my living space if I could even have them in my living space, kind of thing. 
So the Simpsons arcade cabinet and the Turtles and the X-Men games. Obviously almost the same exact game. Sides right. rolling beat-em-ups. If I could have an arcade cabinet that had just those three, because those were my three. I, I played a lot of arcade games, but those are the ones that sucked my quarters up the most, and I would stand there sweating the longest playing. Yep. That's... For me, those are... You know, if anybody's out there who's like, oh, hey, I can build you a cabinet for 200 bucks. <laughs> let me know, because... Because I, I I'm not going to drop... You know, hundred two hundred bucks on a cabinet that only gives me one game, but yeah. those three games, you know, if it's custom, if it's something that could put other games on, so Duvall, you, you know, Duvall, yes, yes, he actually has a custom-made arcade cabinet that has five hundred games on it or something, and it's amazing, That's amazing. That's awesome. and I can't remember if he bought it off someone or if he built it or whatever, but I remember seeing that and just being beyond jealous and just beyond inspired. Of man, I need something like that, and you know, I have my basement bar now that I think it it doesn't need it, but man, would my basement bar be better if I had an arcade cabinet in the corner? Yeah. Just, just saying, just saying. <laughs> not, maybe not, maybe not till we pay off our vet bills and we figure out, you know, a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, bills day. have to come first. One one day, you're well, you're, you're still young. It's okay. And I see, uh, we're we're totally off on a tangent, but so I, you know. I do have a projector, just a very simple projector. It's an older projector, but it works just fine. If I could even just get a tiny device and get controllers to put those games on, I don't even need the cabinet. I just want something yeah. I can that has controllers that I can play yeah, the games Yeah, you need from. like a Raspberry Pi or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And from someone that isn't going to send me junk and a bunch of untranslated yeah. Japanese games that yeah. don't work, because I've had a couple friends who've done that, and you know they get I don't know if they feel like they got screwed over, but, you know. <laughs> Anyways, let, let's jump back into it. So, uh, Tiger Electronics games don't hold up today, but really some great memories from those. Let's move on. All right. It was always so damn frustrating to find that idiot in the red and white hat. <sighs> I guess we should go into the educational stuff now, folks. Find oh, Waldo we, now. Are we wanting to stay in video games? or do we want, There's one more video game. Oh, skate or die? Yeah. I'm dead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm relatively sure, based on how many times I've seen the video and listened, this is the game that my brother Jer got Christmas morning. He got really excited. I remember in the video you hear him say Nintendo Power. I think he had said that by just seeing the shape and the size of one of the wrapped gifts picks it up and he says i know what this is nintendo power and he was really excited about it and i'm relatively sure it was skate or die which was a pretty popular game skateboarding surfing was very popular late 80s early 90s and this was a pretty interesting game i was terrible at it for the most part because a lot of i couldn't really figure out how to get it to work if did you ever play it i played it maybe once or twice i was more of an excite bite an excite bike kid than anything else because at least that was easy to crash on but uh yeah skate or die was never really my thing and so i don't remember a whole lot about it outside of the multiple game modes and just being terrible but 
you, when you actually see in the video, my brother's excitement to getting this, he is just, this is the essence of what I think Christmas is for so many children is just this little piece of excitement of, I finally got this thing I wanted for so long and I get to unwrap it and have that moment of excitement and, and just surprise and just, I, I don't know. I don't know. You watch the video. He puts his arms up. He's so excited. He's happy. And I feel like in my adult life, those are, those are some of the things that I think we all need a little bit more of just, it's okay to be excited about something as silly as a video game or something as, as simple as a new toy or something. Just let us be just excited about something and it doesn't always have to be, you know, a Christmas gift of, I got you socks. Like, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not excited about the socks. That's okay. But, you know, yeah, we, I we mean, really, it's, it, it, it's we, that excitement of, of wantings. Like, Christmas was, yes, we obviously want, like, again, we were kids. We were playing with the stuff. We were not where we are now X number of decades later where we're like, I want to collect this. I want to put it behind glass. I want to this. I want you. We were out there. We were messing it up. We Every kid that blew into a Nintendo cartridge knows exactly that feeling of getting that new game. Like, I don't know when. That, it was somewhere 2006 or 2007, but I just found it unpacking the other day. Of course, I've been in this apartment since June of this year here in 2022, but... There are certain things that I haven't unpacked or I haven't gone through or whatever else. I found that I, I haven't I haven't had a Nintendo Entertainment System in years. I never had the Nintendo Entertainment System. I had the Super Nintendo. But I always loved the original game packaging and cartridge of Super Mario Bros. 3. I have a copy of Super Mario Bros. 3 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. That I've never played. Like, maybe I... No, it was 2006 when I got no, so I was 26. Yeah, no, like I've never played it on that specific cartridge. I've played the game before, obviously, but it's like that's the thing. When we were kids and it was Christmas or our birthday, that euphoric thing of oh my god, somebody got this for me. I wonder what it is, and then you rip it open and you see what it is, and you're so excited, and you're like, okay. I'm going to go play with this thing. And then three days later, you're like, okay, what's the next thing I can play with? Because that's the way we were. That's the way I was. That's the way I, there's a famous picture of me going around as a kid somewhere. I think, I think it's on Facebook. I don't know where the hell it is. It might be in a photo album somewhere where I have a box of my toys sitting in front of the fireplace. I have castle gray skull, the original 1982 castle gray skull sitting there. I have, no joke, Dick Tracy, James Bond Jr., three different mass cars, four different Transformers, one Skeletor, and an Orca and a Pear Tree. Like <laughs> I was just going to do I didn't know if you were going there. It was one I of those things where I had all of these toys, all of these variety of toys that were you know, their base was Castle Grayskull, and like it just wasn't it just wasn't any like it was a collection of things. It, w- it wasn't collection of like we collect today. It was just a, a massive toy, you know, battle thing where I had a whole bunch of, I got new toys and different toys every year by 
Okay, so from Christmas of 89 to Christmas of 90, I think. When did the Batmobile come out? Was it that was 89? I know the movie came out in 89, but the toy, yeah, the toy was out in Christmas of 89. Yeah, because that's when I got it when I was nine years old. Because I remember th- I, I threw a fit in the mall about it. Yeah. So by between Christmas of 89 and Christmas of 1990, by Christmas of 90, I, w- I wasn't done playing with the Batmobile, but I was like, okay, what's what's this? Oh, the Simpsons. Oh, this. Oh, that. Like, I forget which Christmas it is, but there's a picture. Again, I'm going through old photo albums, and I'm finding pictures I haven't seen in 30-plus years. But there's a picture of me at some point. I don't think it was Christmas, because why would I be wearing this specific sweatshirt at Christmas? But at the time, in 1990, the Gulf War was going on. And Gulf War merchandise was everywhere. I had a Ram Bart sweatshirt. I have a picture of myself wearing a Bart Simpson Ram Bart sweatshirt. You know, and it just, you're right. We we need that euphoria of opening something or figuring something out or playing with something. But it doesn't, you're like, you're not everyone, you know. We live in a time now where it's like, oh, here's the Pixel 6 Pro, or here's the iPhone 14 Pro Max Ultra Slim Fast whatever. Like, you know, but then the next year, oh, here's the next model. Here's the this. Here's the that. You know, and I think that kind of started out with us moving on from thing to thing is when we were kids. I say this in every podcast I've done in the last year and a half, maybe two years. From... 1982 to 1996-97, those years, cartoons on television were a cycle. They were a timeline of evolution. 82, you had GI, or not GI, in 82, you had whatever, you had He-Man and stuff in 83, you had Transformers and Voltron 84, 85, you had G.I. Joe and Mask and all that, in 86, you had Silverhawks and all that, and 87 to 96 was Turtles, but it was this thing where cartoons weren't staying, like, Transformers only had technically three full seasons and three parts for a, for a fourth season because it got canceled. But like you have like, okay, what's the next thing? What's the, and the same thing with toys, same thing with Christmases. Not every, this should never like Christmases should not repeat themselves. Christmases are not made for Phil. Okay. Maybe they are, but they're not made for the Puxatani one. Anyway, it shouldn't repeat itself, you know? And and it's just one of those things where it's it's meant to be special and it's meant to have different things every time. And that was the greatest thing about Christmas. Still the greatest thing about Christmas is, you, you know, even though it came out in 94, it still holds up today almost 30 years later. Christmas is like a box of chocolates. You never well, know I what you're going to get. I think it's also, you know, cognitively being a kid and going through Christmas – there's a lot of firsts. It's the first time you get to open this or the first time you do this there. And when you get older, you have a lot less firsts in life. You're still going to have a ton of firsts if you go out and seek them. And a lot of people still do. But because you're looking at it from an adult frame of mind versus a child's frame of mind, you sometimes knowing stuff ruins the experience, right? When you go on a oh, roller coaster yeah. at Disney World, for instance, for the first time, 
you go on the roller coaster at Disney World for the first time and you're like, oh, wow, this is cool. Well, okay, I know how they do that and I know what this is. And you know, that's one of the things about Disney World is that a lot of that, a, a lot of the rides there and a lot of the things there, they're very basic in their execution. Not, let me rephrase that. They're very basic in concept, but advanced in the execution. That's what I want to say. Uh, yeah. And yeah. For, for me, when you go to Disney, when you're a kid and you see a Disney ride, you're like, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to remember this forever. And when you're an adult and you, you're on a Disney ride, sometimes I still get impressed and amazed. I'm like, wow, this is tremendous. And then there's other times where I'm looking at it through an adult's eyes and I'm like, this is kind of boring. And that's my own problem. However, <laughs> when, when I think back to a lot of these experiences as a kid and looking at this video and looking at the extent and the effort that my mom had put into providing us this great experience on Christmas morning and supporting us and making us happy and everything she did even and, and there's a, a little bit of context to the story that I'll tell you when we're not recording but there's a whole nother layer mm-hmm. to this video that the fact that my mom is still working her butt off to do this despite this other issue going on at the time is just outstanding. And it just speaks to her character, the type of person she was, the type of mom she was. And even though we, we joked before about how there was that sort of boomer mentality of you put some dirt on it and you go forward and you don't show emotion. Where's... And I was never no, really trying to joke no. about that. I was just pointing but it no, out. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. It was. I'm not saying you joke. I'm not saying anything about that. It's. Yeah. It's just that for my mom, it was you know, she had this weight on her shoulders that she planted her feet, she rolled her shoulders back, she carried it, and she moved on to take care of us. And that's something that's I think a little bit lost in. You know, with some people in 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 our current generation or our current human population, I guess, of you know, a lot of people now when they get that weight, maybe they just don't have the strength to carry it. Whatever it is, I'm not trying to criticize people who have different struggles, but watching this video, you can see there's a weight on her shoulders, and she's carrying it with poise and grace, and she's carrying it with the strength of only something that a mom can have, and um. You know, to go back to the video game thing just for a second, we're going to bring it back because I, I feel like I'm 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 going in a ramble zone. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. oh, okay. I also think that one of the things about video games at that point in time, especially on Nintendo, is that video games were a brand new adventure. They always were, and mm-hmm. they yep. when you, when you get this new piece, whether it's your Super Mario Brothers three that you mentioned before or whatever. All these games were new experiences, brand new hours upon hours of time you could spend playing these games, replaying them. What's it going to be like and how are you going to experience it? And it's probably one of the reasons why even to this day, earlier today, I had a little bit of time and I was playing Skyrim. Have you ever played that? I th- No. I know what I know what it is. I know what the game is, and I know. Well, what I, it's I know about, you really like Grand Theft Auto Four, and you like the open world experience. And I I love Grand Theft Auto Four, and yeah. we'll talk yeah. off recording 
about playing together at some point because I, I still have yeah, it on. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> you know, one of the things about Skyrim that I like is that it's ten years old, but being a ten year old game, it's not the, the hyper realistic games that you see now. But just like as a kid, there's a lot of stuff that you have to fill in with your imagination. So Skate or Die, the game that we mentioned now 20 minutes ago at this point, um, Skate or Die and a lot of those early Nintendo games, the beauty part about simplistic games and the Tiger Electronic games is that we use our imaginations to fill in the gaps when things weren't as realistic as they could be, right? And and that's one of the beauty parts of a lot of these early games is that they were rudimentary by today's standards, but the power of our imagination to live in that world or to to fill in the blanks and fill in the gaps, there are some of those games that I think for us were as real as they possibly could be because we 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 took on that extra role. So that's why I I like a lot of older games sometimes, right. like Skyrim or Grand Theft, some of the Grand Theft Autos, three Vice City, four mm-hmm. San Andreas. Yes, San thank Andreas. you. Uh, and uh, what was another one I was thinking of? Um, four. Yeah, Grand Theft, uh, Grand Theft Auto Four, and even now to to where we're getting with with Fallout Four, which is another fantastic game. I think you'll like is yeah. those video games we would get even if we were six, ten, and eight years old. I don't know why I did that out of order. <laughs> Six, eight, and ten years old is that we would get that game and our imaginations prior to even playing the game were already going. And right. So here, so here's my thing to to kind of I, I agree with you absolutely. The thing is that was what we had back then. And it was made in the time that it was made, and that's the way, that's the lens we need to look at those. Like, yes, there's no holding Tiger Electronics up to today's standards. There just isn't. But those games for us as kids in the 80s were so fun because that's what we had. Like I mentioned earlier, I didn't get a Game Boy until I was 13 years old in 1993, even though I was able to borrow my aunt's Game Boy every time I was over at my grandmother's house and I still got to play Super Mario Land and Tetris and whatever other thing. But for me, the the, the Tiger Electronics games and slightly to a lesser extent the Sega Master System, which I chose poorly, but it's one of those things where I'm a huge baseball nut. I'm from Boston. Go Red Sox. Just because Bo Jackson was not on the Red Sox didn't mean I didn't enjoy playing Bo Jackson's RBI baseball on the Sega Master System. And the thing of it is, with video games, is it was the breakthrough at the time. It was getting our imaginations. Like that's the thing that I think. And I don't. I don't have kids. You don't have kids, so we can't speak. My as, cats are as my children. Parents, but your cats aren't. Holding your PS5 controllers, are they? Maybe peeing on my PS5. <laughs> Let's be real. That's probably what they're doing. Well, then okay. it doesn't count. You don't have human children. I don't have human children. Point is, is that just because we don't have human children these days, what I've noticed is, as a as a in society as a, as a whole imagination 
it seems, and I'm saying it seems, I'm not saying it as a definitive, but it seems like it's gone out the window. You're a te- you're, you're you're a history teacher. You can let me know, but the kids that you teach, do you see imagination in them the way we had it 40 years ago? So I'm going to be careful in my response because this is a whole nother podcast that we could talk about one day as long as I can be, you know. Right, right, um, right. Yeah, no, absolutely. I obviously teach middle school. So in middle school, you start seeing a lot less of kids maybe expressing imagination because sometimes a lot of aspects of being imaginative and creative sometimes that is less appropriate at this age level. And so you don't see kids really sort of express that more childlike imagination as much, but I do, I do see a lot of kiddos and a lot of those parents, I think that are really supporting that I think are a little closer to the mentality of kids that we kind of grew up with where, it's, you know, maybe stay a little bit more off the phones and stay a little bit more off the, the crazy video games and focus a little bit more on, on reading and imagination and drawing and art. You, you see it, you see a spectrum of it, but yeah. We're, we're, yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, yeah, but I'm just saying like, and Parents, if you're listening, please write in feedback at geekcastradio.com. You can send all your hate mail to me for even bringing this up during Josh's Christmas episode. But it's just one of those things where all we had was our imaginations. And all we had was the JCPenney catalog and the Sears. Well, can I I throw throw my interpretation of that? You know, Mm-hmm. we had to use our imaginations to fill in gaps. Like we, we had to supplement mm-hmm. our realities, our toys, all this stuff with our imaginations because the toys gave us that room to do it. The video games at the time gave us that room to, to, to put in our own stories. One of my favorite articles I ever read was someone talking about their childhood experiences with star Wars toys, but they were never allowed to see the movies but they had a ton of the toys. So can you imagine what that's like to have the toys and be an imaginative kid, but not ever see the movies and not to have the background information you needed from them to apply to these objects. And so the author, and I wish I could find this article. I think it'd be fascinating to read now, but the, the author was talking about how he would hit the, the sand people, the, the the Tuscan Raider figure. Yep. He made that his lead bad guy. That was the number one bad guy. That was the Darth Vader. And I think the Darth Vader was the good guy. And it, it was just this crazy universe that he created because that's... I, I'm very much an advocate of unstructured play and just be creative play. And giving kids toys so they can just put their own personality into it, their own identity onto it. I think I would rather give a kid a I don't know, name a name a action figure really liked as a kid. Just give me one. Just off the top of your head. 
Oh, God, I have to cut that snort out. But, oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> Let's go with He-Man. For my... Okay. No. Okay. No, 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 no. Hold on. I, I got I to purge. No, no, no. So, for me, it's... And I'll, I'll, okay, so pick one, pick one, pick one. Wheeler okay. from the Captain Planet series. So, I imagine being a figure, but not knowing anything about it, the background or anything. You just get this figure, uh, and... He's got an emblem on his chest, a tiny little ring, and if it's the one I'm thinking of that you can spark on the back, it's got the flint feature in it. So yep. what do you do with that? And and think about what that would be like for a child who knows nothing about it, but hey, here's this cool-looking teenager figure in this hip outfit, and when I go and I pull this trigger on his mm-hmm. back, he's got sparks that come out of his chest. Th- that's a really cool aspect of, of play mm-hmm. that the Tiger Electronics games, the early Nintendo games that I think we all appreciated was that we had a sense of ownership over it because we had to think to make it ours. And I th- that's one of the reasons why I love games Absolutely. like Skyrim and Fallout 4 is that there's a lot of customizing that you do in those games that make the game yours. And you can go away from the main storyline as much as you want and I think that's one of the nice things about Grand Theft Auto, and I think that's one of the reasons why you like Grand Theft, Auto, Grand Theft Auto 4, is that you can take it in different directions. But I digress. Let's move back to Christmas morning, because we are all over the place, and there's a few more things we should talk about. <laughs> the way we are, folks, if you listen to if you listen to ToyCast episode 100-150-something, uh, you'll, you'll know Josh and I are all about the tangents. But yes, Dude, Christmas some of our morning, shows 1990 are or so... Yes, well, you know, I, it, it's so funny you say that because, and I think I can't use this because I think I've, I've done my research on, on titles and Apple and podcast services, whatever else. I wanted to create a segment of this very show called Tangentially Yours. No intro, no, uh, may, maybe an outro to let people know where they can find us, but no intro, no. Hi, and welcome to, no, we just start talking. And once we figure out a stopping point, that's when we stop kind of thing. But it would just be nothing but tangents. And I think other podcasts have already done that, and that's fine. It is what it is. All right. Where, uh, to, <laughs> so let's go to really books. Quick. Uh, this is going to be really quick. So <sighs> yeah, it's the, very quick. there are two books that are noticeable in the video the first of which is find waldo now and this as far as i know is one of the very first look and see look and find books of the era i don't know much Mm -hmm. about what brought them into prominence what made them uh popular at the time but i know for us as, as kids growing up it wasn't so much of let's go find waldo it wasn't about that it was more, look at how much you can see on these two pages. I don't know if you can find them online. I'm sure they're available out there. But the Where's Waldo pages, the artist put so much work into creating this universe and this detail that was so in line with what my brothers and I really enjoyed doing as kids where we would draw these crazy pictures of stick figures fighting in these massive worlds and drawing in all these crazy details of everything that was going on. And 
you know, even my collection now, all my shelves set up now are basically a Where's Waldo sort of style. You've seen some pictures and, you know, the last couple of months, the room has been in shambles, but it is very much like Where's Waldo. And if you look through, they're so detailed and interesting. And there's so much within them that tells a story. And there's some historical, <laughs> some of them, there, there's some, there's a small amount of historical insensitivity at certain points where like the fall of the Aztec empire looks <laughs> kind of fun with the conquistadors coming in. And uh, it's, 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 it's pretty brutal, but there, there is a, a scene where you can, you can hear my brother open up. Where's Waldo now rips it up. Not the book, but the wrapping paper holds it up. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. here's, here's him being excited because, I, I don't think anybody expected my brother to open the book and start looking right there at that point. But again, just like the video game, this book, this is an adventure for later. And the nice part is, is that unlike a video game, the Where's Waldo books for us, and I maybe just me looking back, was that this was an adventure whenever I wanted it. I didn't have to power it on. I could look at it. And mm. even if we could memorize where Waldo was on every single page, you couldn't memorize every single detail on every single page. And then there were some pages where Waldo was everywhere and you had to find the right one. Oh, I remember those. And those were amazing. Like yeah. I, I just, I just pulled up a page <laughs> is I, I looked up uh, where's Waldo PDF wallpapers and holy mm -hmm. cats, man. Oh, these actually look like they maybe were starting to get printed in 1987. So by 1990, this might be the second book. Yeah. And the artist, the author, whatever he was, really did such a tremendous job. And some of these are just unique pieces of art. And the the style was copied a lot over the next decade. So there, I had a Spider-Man one that was like this, where it was like, where's Spider-Man or find Spider-Man? And a lot of the popular characters and, and trends at the time all had their own Where's Waldo I Spy book. But... The thing I liked about this, and you know, maybe this is why I kind of you know enjoy being a history teacher now, was that a lot of these books had the the historical aspect to it. So you get a little bit of a history lesson, and you look back like here's one that looks like it might be Middle Ages or Vikings, and you get some early exposure to history just by playing this fun game. And I, I think that sometimes some of the best teaching and the best learning is where you realize you're learning something without learning it. it it's sort of that weird piece but yeah. beyond that so we had the where's waldo which has the historical scenes in it but my brother also got a copy of the cartoon history of the universe volume one and mm. i forgot about this entirely and i know that this floated around my house for a little while i don't know what ever happened to this specific copy but when I mm -hmm. first got hired as a world history teacher in oh, 2010, 2011, I, I want to say maybe 2010, mm -hmm. when I finally became a teacher, and this was one of the very first books I bought, because if you've never seen one of these before, despite being a cartoon history, 
some of these are actually more detailed and go far deeper into aspects of history than even some textbooks I've taught out of. Mm-hmm. I bet that's a little hard to believe. Yeah, no, it, no, it isn't. Uh, you know, and that was an, it was an awesome, awesome book. And the, it, it's just so great that we have something like that, that we, you know, you were talking about just briefly to go back to the, the, the where's, where's Waldo thing. Uh, the guy's name was Mark is he's still still around. He's 66 years old, I think. Uh, Martin Hanford uh, from Britain. Originally, this was Where's Wally over in the UK. And then it was Where's Waldo here in North America. But I mean, that's the thing. That's the other part of our childhood. We had choose your own adventure books. Those were a thing. And that was, again, what drove imagination. So, you know, it's just so interesting and fun. And I love that you guys were able to have the, like, you didn't just have action figures that Christmas. You had a whole, yeah, there's just, there's obviously some really cool shirts and some clothes and, you know, you have your Christmas story, the, the, the movie moment where I think we got some clothes and we're like, yay clothes. And we, they, we just kind of pushed them to the side because we wanted to move on to the toys and stuff, but it, yep. you know, I, I would say if there was a moment that I wish I could relive in life, at least once more, it would be one of these Christmas mornings from probably 89 to 94, 95, 96, somewhere around there as we were still very much kids Absolutely. and we had so much excitement for Christmas morning. Um, and I remember how hard my mom even worked till later in life to still make Christmas morning amazing for all of us. Even when we got old enough and you know, the, the Santa, I, I don't want to create any sort of scandal with the podcast talking about Santa, but when the question of Santa became okay. a thing, we still sort mm-hmm. of lived in that world where we were okay not going into it and just saying Santa's still putting our toys out and yep. it's still okay. Yep. And, you know, for those of us who had different paths in life, like by by 90, by the time I was 14 or so, I would say I'm like, okay, Santa, whatever. Like, it is what it is. You you grow out of the, you know, believing is seeing or seeing is believing thing. And maybe it's because as we're recording this, folks, it's just about a This will go up a couple days before Christmas this year in 2022. But I have muddled my way through the first four episodes of The Santa Claus is on Disney+. Plus. Episode five and six are the best two episodes of the entire series. And, you know, it is it, it is what it is. But, I mean, you know, I'm not – we're not going to sit here and try to ruin it for kids saying that, you know, Santa is or isn't or whatever. The point is, is, again, we come from a generation where we didn't have all this technology. We didn't have all this. And as much as I love the the, the instantaneous gratification now – I was fine. Like, 
if I didn't get, uh, and I know this is going to sound silly, but let's just say Samurai Leo, Space Raph, Sewer Mikey, and, or Sewer Surfer Mikey, and um, Undercover Don. If I didn't get Samurai Leo and Spaceman Raph for Christmas, I got two months. Maybe I'll get them for my birthday. So, like, we were fine waiting for the gifts that we got if we didn't get them. And especially, like, you know, you look at these times and you look at the cool shit we did get. Like, all the toys that we've talked about tonight that you guys got, all the Tiger Electronic Video Games, say what you will about them. As kids, we loved them. No matter how good or bad the LCD on them was. As someone who can't physically do, like, I can't, because of the cerebral palsy I've had all my life, I've, my God, the last time I rode a bike was probably 1994. I just, I just cannot physically do it. So I, you know, use my imagination and I live my life vicariously through other people doing things and being able to sit there and press buttons to get the paper boy to deliver the papers the right way. Hey, I'm riding a bike. I'm, I'm, I have my own paper route. It's a video game, but at least I'm doing it. Well, and I don't want to become one of those guys uh, that says, oh, we had it so much better when we were kids. <laughs> or times were better when we were kids. We're obviously able to look through that through the lens of being adults and looking back at times where we had less obligations, less pressure, less responsibilities, and we could just enjoy the innocence and the magic of being a kid. And there's obviously Mm -hmm. some, and I'm going to speak gently and carefully, there's some, because uh, uh, apparently some of these individuals I might be discussing do track you down, and they do, do come after you and do want to respond to you when you mention them publicly. Do you not want to do this? Do you want to, we want to just skip over no, this No, I, no, because I, I actually have a, a, a point I'm trying to make with this. So there, okay. there are some people who create content out there. I'm not going to say what media, whatever. Uh, okay. I, I'm dry. Just get to the point. I'm dry. Uh, so <laughs> that make it really seem like the only good time in, in, in toys and being a child was in the 80s or 90s. And... I can't speak for what it's like to be a kid, obviously, right now. I, there's just no way I can do that. However, I can speak for the fact that we all have to make the best with what we have right now, and or, or not even right now, but with the time that we have that we're given. And the time that we were given when we were kids, that you and I kind of had that similar overlap of time periods, mm-hmm. it, was, it was just awesome, and it was great, and it was there was a lot of firsts even back then, not only as kids, but even as a society of this was the first time that kids were getting Nintendo games and, vi- and experiencing video games in a different context. And this was the first time that there was this style of toys or this style of action figure that was being given out. And it was just an incredible moment in history. And I'm, I'm glad I have this video to appreciate it. Absolutely. That is, that is awesome. I know that my mom filmed a bunch of stuff, but that's long gone. So it's nice that you actually have that video and are able to, you know, go back and look at that and, and just 
relive those memories. And I'm so sorry for your loss. It absolutely sucks. And especially when it hits right at the time where you want to spend the most time with that person or that parent or whatever, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to take away from the fact that she was your mom. I'm just saying like, (sighs) timing always sucks. And I'm, I'm just, man, I'm, I hope this helped you because that was my goal was for us to do this episode and for, uh, for us to let our listeners know who Josh is and what he's about and where that comes from. And that came from your mom's lessons and how she yeah. was and, and her putting on that, that face and carrying whatever weight it and was. I, and I know and I rambled like, a bit and so. I'm obviously speaking from my perspective. So, you know, if any of my family members ever hear that and hear, hear this and they know that there's other sides of the story, th- this is why I'm, I'm a little, heartbroken not a little <laughs> saying a little heartbroken doesn't even begin to describe it i'm massively heartbroken that I, these are questions and topics and things i'll never really be able to talk to my mom about about how she felt at that time where she was because there's a lot of times where i'd have these questions about growing up and i could text her or i could call her or i'd remember to ask her and we would talk about it and then that was it and that's why yep. i i think Maybe for her and both me, and I'm, I'm, I, this is a huge presumption on my part, that I, I think she was dealing with her health and stuff like that. And I think she was really hoping to get past that so she could start enjoying a lot more aspects of her life, especially once she got retired. And I was also like, okay, she's not feeling well. We can wait a little bit until she's ready, and then we can have those conversations and... I wanted her to be healthy and ready to go when we did it. And if there's anybody out there listening, if there's anybody who still has a parent or a loved one, all I can tell you is there's never going to be a perfect time. Don't wait. If you want to start asking questions, if you want to start exploring your past, your history, the, the, the past of your, your loved one, your, your family member, don't wait. Do not wait. Um, you know, you can, you can say that all you want. Like we're always going to have time, but you don't. And, and that's a big, big piece of my life right now. A motto right now is that I have to live by is that there might not be a tomorrow. So take the time, find out, ask your questions, but appreciate what you've had. Absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. So, all right, folks, I think we are going to go to one more quick ad break and come back to close the show after this. Hello, geeks and geekettes. Looking for a podcast that covers a vast array of topics? Then check out Altered Geek Unleashed, where we discuss our thoughts on this week's geeky news, tech, gaming, television shows, movies, cartoons, comics, and more. So, get altered, get geeky with the Altered Geeks, every Friday on the GeekCast Radio Network. One of the primary themes of ToyCast is that we focus on 
times past. We are who we are today because of the nostalgic memories and experiences from our childhood. Obviously, we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it weren't for the toys that make us so addicted to nostalgia. Times Past Collectibles in Chicago, Illinois is your primary go-to collectible store to reclaim the toys that drove those memories and experiences. Specializing in action figures from all of your favorite toy lines like Star Wars, G.I. Joe, He-Man, Transformers, Silverhawks, Ghostbusters, TMNT, Mask, and more, get your dose of nostalgia with a shop run by collectors for collectors. Whether you are looking for loose G.I. Joe, Ice Cream Soldier, a packaged Leonardo, recent Star Wars Black Series figures, or an AFA-graded Boba Fett, Times Past Collectibles is bringing you back to your childhood. Visit the shop at 1450 North Ashland Ave in Chicago, just two blocks south of Ashland and North Ave. Call the shop at 847-830-1031 or email timespastcollectibles1982 at gmail.com. You can also find them on Facebook. Just search Times Past Collectibles because, folks, it's past time that you get your collectibles. We are back here on GeekCast Radio and we have spent two hours with Josh and his Christmas memories of 1990s with turtles and skating and dying and all that stuff and Tiger Electronics. They were cool at the time, not so much anymore. Any final thoughts, anything you want to say before I run through the I think what I kind of was talking about before in terms of if there's things you want to know about your history, your past, don't wait. And even if you are sitting here saying, eh, eh, nothing really I care about, we are who we are because of our past. We can't really move forward unless we recognize where we've been. So there's nothing wrong with taking even a moment to just try to appreciate where you've come from to understand where you are, because it's a great way to plan how to move forward. And I know I'm kind of sounding a little like Tony Robbins right now or whatever, but at the end of the day, when, and and I think you can, with your losses in the last 10 years, I think you're someone who can really attest to the fact that it's very important to, uh, understand that all of a sudden your reality is going to shift and you don't have a choice in it. And you don't have to act like there's no tomorrow all the time. But I, I, I think appreciating the fact that when somebody comes in your mind, call them, text them, message them. When you have five minutes to make a quick phone call, do that there's no harm in doing it. You're never going to bother anybody by just saying, Hey, I reached out cause I was thinking about you. Even if you don't have time, I just want you to know that because when the time comes, you're going to wish you did if you didn't. And yep. when the time comes, you're going to appreciate that you did if you did. And you know, Absolutely. I know for me, I have to move forward with, the weight on my shoulders of all of the unanswered questions I have to deal with for, for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, absolutely. 
And like I said earlier, I'm so sorry for your loss, dude. It, oh, God. Ah, it just sucks. So, folks, that's going to do it for our Christmas episode this year. Not exactly the Christmas episode that I didn't really have anything planned. And then, you know, you were you had mentioned to me about this this video. And I'm like, oh, that would make a cool podcast. Cool, we'll do that. So, hope everyone has enjoyed the show. Thank you for listening to us here on GeekCast Radio. If you'd like to get in contact with us or leave feedback for the show, there are several ways to do so. Visit the website, geekcastradio.com, where you can listen to and comment on all of our content. Here are all the ways you can listen to us nowadays. Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, plus any other podcasting client you choose to use. Follow us on Twitter at GeekCast Radio for the network. I am at TFG1. Mike, he is at Floorburger553. As long as Twitter... <laughs> Sorry, I got to throw this in there. As long as Twitter keeps being a place that I want to hang out. So, you know what? Twitter's been a cesspool since 2013. It's not getting any better or any worse. And I cure, I've said this on every episode that I've recorded recently. I curate my, I use TweetDeck, so I curate my Twitter to where I don't see any of the bullshit. Oh, I don't, I don't see the nonsense. So it's just, it is what it is. Anyways, let's go ahead and close. You go close. I'm, I'm taking, anyways, become a fan on Facebook. Go to facebook.com slash GeekCast Radio Network. We hope you enjoyed this episode of GeekCast Radio and wish you all join us next time when I will be talking to longtime friend, very seldom. Actually, this will be the first time we have collaborated together because he has a new book, a new memoir coming out. His name is Tony Wolf. I used to listen to him back in the day when he had his own podcast called The Action Room. He is an actor and voice actor and all that kind of good stuff. So Tony will be stopping by to talk about his new memoir that's coming out soon called Tales from the Wolf. For now, I am TFGN Mike with Josh Flood, the Floorburger. That's me. Thank you for li- that's him. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Mm-hmm.